0: start now reading from Luke chapter 4 we're going to begin in verse 16 but before we get there I just want to kind of set the setting In the first 15 verses and really chapter 3 4 Jesus has been baptized in water a long ways from here down close to Jericho he has been through the 40 days of temptation and he is coming back home in the power of the Holy Spirit and it's in that that we pick up in verse 16 so he, Jesus, in Luke 4:16, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Let me just stop right there and just give you this quick little nugget, and that is this. His custom was to be in the house of God. If Jesus' custom was to be in the house of God, shouldn't that be our custom? In America, the average American uh, goes to church now one Sunday a month one weekend a month is all americans go to church that is not the custom of jesus if his custom was to be there that's what our custom should be verse 17 he was handed the book of the prophet isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written verse 18 if you go to bridge of hope church this is our theme scripture for what we do as a church body the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor the good news to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. If this was Jesus' mission, shouldn't this be our mission? To heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. You don't have to be in bondage anymore. And recovery of sight to the blind. That is, yes, physical blindness, but that's also spiritual blindness. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Notice two, two different times here he's talking about the liberty, uh, being, people being set free, being given freedom, being given liberty. I want to tell you, if there's any kind of bondage that you may be struggling with, He is here to set you free, set you at liberty. We don't have to be in bondage anymore because of what Jesus did. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 20 says, Then He closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on Him. When He sat down, it's very probable that He sat down in the Bema seat which is where only the Messiah would sit. That's why the eyes were fixed on him. Whoa, what's going on here? This is the kid who built my kitchen table. This is a guy who helped build my house. Who does this guy think he is? You You have to get the feel. We read the Bible, we know that Jesus is the Messiah. For the people in Nazareth, he's the little irritating boy that maybe he never sinned, but he probably got on people's nerves. And he's the guy that, I'm I'm sitting at the kitchen table. He built my table. What are you talking about? He's the Messiah. So verse 21, he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Jews would have understood where he sat and that he's fulfilling the scriptures of verse 18 and 19. They would understand that to mean that he was proclaiming himself as Messiah. Where he sat, what he said that he was fulfilling it to the Jew of that time, would have understood him to say, "Hey, I'm the Messiah." Now wait a minute, you're the you're the kid I played soccer with. What are you telling me you're the Messiah? What's going on here? Verse 22. So he bo- so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. They said, uh and they said, "Is not this Joseph's son?" So basically he comes from the Jordan baptism, basically tells his family, "I'm the Messiah." <laughs> And, his, and for his family, that's tough to receive. He's got little brothers and sisters. What are you talking about? This is, this is very difficult for them to receive. The hardest people to win over are your family. However, that's the greatest people to win over, is your family. So he goes on in verse 20, 22, or verse 23, he says to them, You will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have done, heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. He's basically telling him, You won't accept me. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. And when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land, but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So verse 28 and 29, they get very angry. So all in the synagogue, which would have been right over here in Nazareth, when they heard these things were filled with wrath. They were ticked off and rose up and thrust him out of the city. So they took him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill where you're now sitting on which the city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff." They got angry when he basically rebuked them and they tried to throw him off the cliff. Here's the deal. Not everyone is going to like the truth you speak, but God will preserve you. Not everybody in America is going to like our stance for Christianity. Everything goes in America, right? You can say and pray in the name of God. You can talk about God all day long and people won't get upset. But when you invoke the name of Jesus, people get angry because they don't want to hear about it. So verse 30, Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. I don't believe he jumped from here to way over there. But somehow in the midst of all the angry mob, he he slides right through the middle of them and goes on his way. I, w- I want to I just tell you, The people may not have liked hearing the truth and they might try to kill him, but he was supernaturally protected. Jesus was preaching on principles which led him to a precipice. Precipice meaning a difficult situation. You need to know and I need to know, brothers and sisters, that your stance for Jesus Christ in America and in this world may cause you to have to face a precipice, a difficult situation in your life. Your stance for Jesus your stance for biblical principles that says, I know what the world says is right, but this book says it's wrong. I know in America they say it's okay for a woman to have abortion, but God says it's wrong. I know in America they say everybody can be homosexual and get married and that's okay for the world, but the Bible says it's wrong. We're not casting stones. We're not trying to be ugly, but we have to stand for the word of the living God. I know it's popular in America that all roads lead up the mountain and every religion leads to, to God, but I want to tell you the Bible is very clear that it says there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus and that's tough for people to hear those are biblical principles that we must stand on which may lead us to our own precipice our own difficult situation where sometimes family members may say well you're the Jesus freak i don't i don't want to deal with you or they may say well i can't believe and you believe in that old book man that's just an old fairy tale that's just old wives tales that's not really god's word and they'll say this and they'll say that. The question is, what do you believe? What principles do you stand on? Will you stand on this word? Will you read it and study it and digest it to the point that you know what God is telling you? You see, we've got to stand on our principles. And it doesn't matter what public opinion says. The opinion of family. The opinion of friends. The opinion of workmates, classmates. It doesn't matter what everybody else says. What does God say? At the end of the day, just like Jesus was led to His precipice, every day we're led to our precipices within our families, at our workplaces, around our friends. Will we stand up for what the Word of God says when everybody else is discrediting it? Will we stand up for what we believe when everybody else is watching filth on TV? Will we say, I'm cutting that off in my house? As for me in my house, I'm gonna serve the Lord will we be willing to allow people to be angry with us to get mad at us because of our belief system and say hey I'm not here to make you mad but I have a book I live by and I'm gonna stand on it with all my heart he stood on principles he preached on principles that led him to a precipice it's the same way with you and I the question is will you cater to public opinion Or will you stand on the principles of this book and say, yes, Jesus is the only way to salvation. Yes, Jesus did die for my sins. Yes, based on this book, I can be healed. Based on what I just read, I can be delivered. I can be set free. I don't have to be in bondage anymore. I don't have to sin anymore. That's what grace does. Grace empowers us to not have to do those things anymore. The grace of God forgives us, yes, but it also empowers us to stand on that principle. And just as God protected Jesus through the midst of the angry crowd, God will protect you and I. And as persecution heats up in America, as persecution heats up maybe in your life, stand up for God and his word, and he will send you through the midst and protect you. Amen? Amen?